Good morning. It is the 23rd of January, 2024. And we have, if you, you will recall that story from Australia with Father Michael Rowe. He was the traditional priest in the suburbs of Perth or in a neighborhood of Perth. Perth people in the chat, let me know. Was he in Perth proper or in what basically a suburban city of Perth? Let me know. But he was a, at a traditional parish and he had been fighting for years to, as the pastor of that parish, to protect the traditional mass, protect the property of the parish from the encroachment of, of neighboring dioceses and all sorts of other things. And he was eventually canceled, removed from active ministry there, new priests there, all of it. So, Andrew, if I get nervous before I start, not really, not anymore. I used to. Um, by the way, I do want to thank Colleen for the super sticker. It is appreciated. Um, but the that story took an interesting turn in the last week or so. Well, uh, the bishop who did the canceling got himself a nice little tidy promotion. So let's just go right to that. And we'll be checking with a little bit from Vigano here too. Also, let's see. So we go to this. Uh, thank you to the person who sent this to me. This was from a, the Australian newspaper called The Record, which is apparently not a... Uh, it's basically America Magazine or something for Australia. That's that kind of an outlet, right? So that you're not going to see criticisms of, the, of Francis here unless it's because he didn't go far enough, basically. Um, but their headline is New Synod Consultor Role for Archbishop Costello. Now, you have to understand, any kind of promotion that gets you more time, more face-to-face -face with the Pacapapa, that's good for your career. I would take this to be a sign that he is going to be kept an eye on for a red hat. Well, he has a red hat, but you know, you know what I mean? He's going to be possibly made a Cardinal. So keep that in mind. Are there any Cardinal opening Cardinal openings in Australia right now? I assume Cardinal Pell's position was filled at some point, probably at the conclave or the consistory of last year, but keep an eye out if there's any more openings in for Cardinals from that general part of the world. He may be, or maybe even given a position from one from some disfavored part of the world when it becomes open. Don't be surprised if uh, his name gets thrown into that kind of mix this year, since I do expect a consistory at some point. But there it is, a picture of him with the pack of Papa, with the, the caption, Pope Francis greets Perth Archbishop Timothy Costello in June 2019. The Holy Father has last week, on the 10th of January, appointed Archbishop Costello as a consultor of the General Secretariat of the Synod of Bishops meaning he now has a nice job in the final phase of the Synod on Synodality. This is the reward you get for being a good, loyal foot soldier. And now remember, you may think, well, this is a Synod. It's temporary. Right, but it gets him access to the Roman Curia, okay? There's a foot in the door for an outsider. So, from the article, quote, In the lead-up to October, it will choose the themes to be... Wait, no, I... I hate the way this is formatted. Sorry. So here we go. Pope Francis last week, 10th January, appointed Perth Archbishop Tim Costello as consultor to the General Secretariat of the Synod of Bishops. The appointment is in conjunction with Archbishop Costello's concurrent appointment as a member of the Preparatory Commission as one of the nine president delegates to the Synod. In announcing the appointment, the Holy See Press Office also confirmed that the Holy Father has appointed a total of five consultors to the General Secretariat of the Synod, who are... Monsignor Perricotta, Secretary General of the International Theological Commission, Gabby Alfred Hesham, Professor of Theology at the University of Santa Espirite de Castellet, Lebanon, 
I'm wondering if this is a woman or not. Um, Giuseppe Bonfrat, full, full professor of the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome. Father Paul Bietis, SJ, professor of sacred scripture at the Pontifical Biblical Institute. So let's take a look here. So you have the Archbishop of Perth serving on a group with someone from Rome, not from Rome, but from the Middle East, another person from Rome, and from Rome. That's odd, isn't it? <laughs> why Australia? I get, I can, I can kind of get why you would have someone from Lebanon, but I, I, Australia, that's interesting. That's very interesting. I'll get back to this. The next phase of the Synod, an assembly of clergy and lay people from around the world is set to be hosted by the Vatican in October. The General Secretariat's main role is implementing the work of the preceding assembly and preparing for the next. In the lead-up of October, it will choose the themes to be discussed, initiate the consultative process, and draft preparatory documents incorporating the results of the consultation. They're going to help the Synod of Sin decide what its final documents are going to be based on the, pre the feedback of this past October. Remember, the Synod's not actually done yet. And also remember, the Synod's purpose is not to give you deaconettes. The Synod's purpose is not to make normal James Martin stuff. The Synod's purpose is to decentralize decision-making authority in the church, to give lay people more influence on everything, including doctrine. And from there, you get your deaconettes. From there, you get your James Martin stuff. That's how you do it. It also makes it so it's very difficult for a future pope to undo the things Francis has done. In the phase following the assembly, it will see to the implementation of the synodal recommendations approved by Pope Francis. Archbishop Costello, the president of the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference, was among those who took part in the first assembly of the Synod that was convened in Rome in October. Archbishop Costello said he was grateful to Pope Francis and Cardinal Mario Gresh, the Secretary General of the Office for the Synod, for the appointment. Now here he, here he speaks in his own words. I am already involved in the Synod as a member of the Preparatory Commission and as one of the nine president delegates of the Synod, this further appointment will enable me to continue to support the implementation of Pope Francis's vision for a more synodal church once the second and final assembly of the Synod concludes at the end of October this year. The fundamental aim of the Synod on synodality is to assist the whole church to rediscover an essential dimension of its identity, to be a listening church. Note, note the word there, by the way, rediscover an essential dimension of its identity for the church, to be a listening church. Like I've read enough of the apostolic and post-apostolic fathers to wonder where they get this from, this idea that the church in its early days was a listening church. The church has always been a teaching church. And yes, to teach, you have to listen to the students, obviously. But where are they getting this stuff from? Anyway, he continues, Pope Francis reminds us that through our baptism, we are all given the gift of the Holy Spirit, a gift which is renewed and strengthened through confirmation. If we are to be truly open to the voice of the Spirit, then we need to listen to all the ways in which God speaks to us. This includes listening to our brothers and sisters who, like us, experience the presence of the Spirit in their lives. Again, if you've been following my P Pius X Pascendi series, you will re you'll recognize when they use words like experience are referring to essentially the condemned ideology and condemned heresy of modernism, which lives so much on, it rests so much on experience that it becomes, it turns faith into an entirely uh, relativistic operation. That faith isn't a concrete thing anymore. It's all an internalized based on the experience of people and sacramentals and the sacraments are just part of that experience and that's it. Anyway, he continues, accompanying the task of listening is the challenge of discernment. How and where do we, as member of God's holy people, 
recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit in our own experience and in the experience of others. It is the task of the Synod on Synodality to consider and propose ways in which this twofold task of listening and discernment might be more deeply embedded in the life of the Church at every level. The conviction of Pope Francis, which I share, is that this focus on synodality will lead the Church to be a more missionary, evangelizing Church. I am looking forward to playing my small part in this important endeavor. And then the... Uh, the next phase of the synod will open in Rome in October. And I think most of you knew that already. If you've been following my coverage of that, expect something to be happening on October 4th. Why? Because Francis loves to take the feast of St. Francis of Assisi and use it to undermine the church for some reason. The, uh, that's the reward though, for being a very good active participant at the synod and making sure to clamp down on tradition in his own diocese. Um, I found something here. This was a, a a blogger had a good, interesting thing. His name is Adam Peugeot, I think. He's a um, now he is a uh, set of a contest, and I don't not a set of a contest. I don't have anything really against set of a contest. They are Catholic. I just disagree with their conclusion about the state of the church. But he has this interesting take here. See, he begins by going back to the letter that Father Rowe wrote about his experience with the archbishop and being candid. So he begins with this quote here. He says, despite the differences of opinion we have of them, we respect the Holy Father, Pope Francis, and Archbishop Timothy Costello. We acknowledge them to legitimately hold their respective offices, even if we do not understand and agree with all of their actions. We can continue to pray for them in each and every mass offered at St. Anne's. Um, this was a, this was the letter, obviously, before Father Rowe left his active ministry at St. Anne's. I'm not sure what he's doing yet. If you're in the chat, has he started having an alternative masses for people at other places? You don't have to tell me where they are for obvious reasons, but just let me know if he's continued his ministry, and I'll be checking the live chat here in a minute. But here's what the, this blogger said, and it's and it's actually really true. It really is, because we are we have long since ent uh, entered the, the phase of needing to take the kid gloves off with this stuff, with what, they're, what the modernists are doing to the church. So here he says, quote, the praying part is good and just, but the rest is straightforward naivety. Father Rowe and his congregation never stood of chance of prevailing, not a snowball's chance of perdition. <laughs> the substantial amount of money that the congregation raised and used to improve the facilities of their church has been effectively stolen from them, and they have no worldly recourse. Worse for them, they'll no longer be able to attend the Latin Mass, at least not under the auspices of the church authorities. Now, that's actually not exactly true. They have provided for Mass there, and the new priest there in the bulletin threw Father Rowe under the bus, saying, calling Father Rowe schismatic, basically. I've seen, I know, because I've seen, somebody sent me screenshots of, or photo, like pictures they took of the actual bulletin of the parish, from the parish bulletin. But anyway, and that is because they played the rules of the, they played by the rules of the system. The system greatly desires for us to play by its rules and within its boundaries. And here when he's talking about the system, he's meaning the Vatican, right? The hermeneutic of continuity, the everything is good. Don't you don't even look at the SSPX, let alone anything more extreme than them. Bad, 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 bad. Just play by the rules and everything will be okay. There is a no-win situation approaching for a lot of these Ecclesia Day groups, groups who are in diocesan Latin mass groups. It's a no-win situation that is approaching. And they I would hope priests are getting ready for it. Anyway, he continues saying it's win-win for the system and lose-lose for those that freely choose to play that game. Father Rowe told the truth and played by the rules and all that he 
created has been destroyed. And if he had managed to prevail at this point, do not think that his enemies would have acknowledged their defeat. They would have turned another card in their deck to continue the assault on their identified heretical enemy because they have the power. They have the power within their domain. That domain is the system that wears the skin suit of what was once the Catholic Church. Any attempt to fight within their system and going by the rules that will change arbitrarily if it suits them is doomed not only to fail, but to become yet another demoralizing defeat for those who hold to the truth. Telling the truth within the power framework of the system, in other words, if you yourself want to succeed within that system, is your quick ticket to defeat and personal destruction. As Father Nix wrote in a recent article, in regards to the totalitarian injustices sweeping society, many decent Catholics are either ignorant or afraid or complicit. I disagree somewhat that a decent Catholic can be complicit, but the point still rings true. As many of you know, I am a set of a contest, etc., etc. That's what he says. I am not a set of a contest, but I don't hold anything against him. It looks like I forgot to share that on screen with you. My apologies, but you get the idea. There needs to now be good priests need to start figuring out a contingency plan for what's going to happen, because there have been a lot of canceling of Latin masses rolling out in the last several months. Last week, I told you about the FSSP in France. They, there was a diocese that just kicked them out. Maybe the, uh, the mission of the FSSP there had been accomplished, which was their purpose is to give people an alternative to the SSPX. That's why bishops invite them in in the first place, typically. And uh, maybe the SSPX had pulled out because sometimes the SSPX pulls out of a place with the FSSP, not because they, you know, people know that the FSSP and the SSPX don't get along exactly, but the sacraments are being offered to people who need it, so they go put their very their very tightly strained resources to better use elsewhere. So maybe that's why they did it. But the stated reason, as I went over in that live stream last week, was because the bishops there thought the FSSP were essentially feeding into schismatic attitudes about people. The FSSP, okay? This is coming to people. This is coming to a lot more places. Let me go check to hear the live chat. Tina Kathleen wants people to read uh, Contra Mundum, a collection of Cardinal Pell's uh, last few sermons. It's only 50 pages long. If you can find a copy, get a copy. I think it's in PDF online somewhere. Um, I've saw, I've seen something on Amazon that's a, uh, but I don't think it's the same book because it's a lot more than 50 pages long. Joe Bullock says playing playing by the rules in a in a fixed game will inevitably result in defeat. Time to play a new game. This is true. Anybody who's Go watch some old movies about Las Vegas, right? <laughs> you'll see what it, you'll you'll there, you'll learn some stuff about that from there. Um, Deborah says, "Have I seen the mass that was a new way to celebrate the Eucharist with dancers?" No, I, I don't know which one you're talking about, Deborah. There's a lot of that going. There's been a lot of that going around. The liturgical dancing masses in the ordinary form are legendary. There's so many of them. I don't know which one you mean. <laughs> um, Amy Keller says, the sad thing is a great number of the hierarchy are spiritually unfit to offer the consecration for Fatima. Pray for a change. It must be done. Yes, it must be done. And it must be done only that country named. And the Pope must order on pain of excommunication any bishop, all bishops and cardinals to do it. That's how it has to be done. And then, of course, reveal the third secret fully. Probably the homily at the Mass he does it in. That's all it will take. Um... Tina says also that it's delusional for a church to think the ecumenical attempts will ever be successful other than weakening our traditions and bending over to appease. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what's really going on. Um, 
Have I ever been to Clear Creek? No, it's about it's it's a long drive, not small. It's a much longer drive than my small kids are used to, honestly. Um, I don't know if they'll be canceled anytime soon. The bishop there is likes them. So, thank you for becoming a channel member, Catholic Ethics. It is appreciated. Uh, reminded of channel members, by the way, you get a free super chat basically if you just go into the super chat where there's the dollar sign thing down there. There's down there's a some option for you to do a free super chat. It brings it up just like a super chat would. I want to check in here with with you though for Archbishop Vigano. He said something very, I think, interesting. So today's January twenty third. It's the final day of the week of Christian unity in the Vatican, where Anglicans will be conducting their even song in St. Peter's. Now that's Vespers, basically. It's kind of their version of Vespers. Um, two days from now, on the twenty fifth, Justin Welby, the Archlayman of Canterbury, is going to be performing a quote mass at the Basilica of St. Bartholomew in Rome. That place is going to need to be reconsecrated afterwards. Here's what Archbishop Vigano had to say. Let me see if I can make this a little larger on screen. It says, Bergoglio as false minister celebrate heretical, quote, mass. He's saying, he reminds us that uh, the, val the, the validity of holy orders for the Anglicans is um, at the very best in dispute. And actually, Pope Leo XIII said they're not valid at all. He says, desecrating the Basilica of San Bartolomeo, which after this celebration will have to be reconsecrated along with the Basilica of San Pietro, already profaned by the unclean idol of the Pacamama. At the same time, he, Bergoglio, prohibits true priests from celebrating the holy sacrifice according to the apostolic rite. And to those who ask him why, he simply refers them to the reading of Traditionis Custodis. We are faced with the subversion of the papacy and no cardinal objects at all. <laughs> Quote. So there's a... Um, Vigano was making a reference there to something pretty interesting. He was, um, a journalist asked him why he had to, felt the need to sweep away the Latin mass. Now that, that's an interesting question to ask him, especially this late in the game, two and a half years after Traditionis Custodis. Reminder, this July on the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel will be the third anniversary of Traditionis Custodis. And his response was just as an offhand to go read the document. He lays it all out there. And so that's what Vigano is responding to there. Um, you can try an email to me. I have 900 emails in my inbox right now because people, um, do a, uh, uh, packs. They do a, they do a, they misuse my email address to the point where I'm thinking about shutting down my email address. Honestly, I don't, I, it's becoming, I, I can't manage it because people feel free, feel the need to tag, like include me in chain emails to things and sign me up to their email lists and things. And when people sign me up to email lists, I, I mark it as spam. I, I have 900 emails in my inbox. You can try there. I don't give out my phone number because that's just a nightmare scenario waiting to happen. Tina says, Contramundum's book is 200 pages on Amazon, but the English part is only first 50. Interesting. Okay. That explains why it's over. Uh, that's why it's, that book has got so many, what the difference is. Um, This is the second time in the last couple of years that there has been an Anglican quote mass at a Roman church in Rome. Right. And this is to be distinguished from the Anglican ordinariate, which the validity of no one has ever really disputed. I don't think except maybe some set of contests. Um, Catherine Hickey says, apparently stonecutter Anglican priest of the same Eucharistic mass at Lateran last year. The, the whole, pretty much any of these iconic buildings are going to have to be reconsecrated once order is restored in, in the church. That's why they're trying to cancel you. You that you are a priest start celebrating the TLM. Okay. Well, I mean, email me. Um, make sure to put like your username here in the email subject line so I can see it. I'll keep an eye out for it. 
Um, but yes, would I say the new rite is Catholic? Um, it's an it's a form of liturgy designed by stonecutters, chair, chaired by a stonecutter with Protestants who designed it specifically to incorporate everything the so-called fifteenth, sixteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth century so-called reformers did, that resulted in destruction of the belief in the real presence. Yeah. Eh. Go there if you want, but uh, when you learn the history, it becomes very hard to justify continuing to go to it. James says that Australia has no cardinal. All but one Archbishop of Sydney has been a cardinal since the late 19th century. But Pell's successor, Anthony Fisher, has... Oh, interesting. Okay. So Australia might be due to get a cardinal. So there you go. Don't be surprised then if uh, your Archbishop of Perth maybe moves over to Sydney and becomes the cardinal there i'm not exactly so familiar with like the the ecclesiastical dynamics of every place tina kathleen tina kathleen points out the obvious the anglican liturgy is okay but not the traditional mass that that's right a lot of people are pointing out that this seems to be what's okay in rome now the liturgy of schismatic groups is okay but the actual historic uh liturgy of the latin rite of the church is not uh, yeah it's bizarro world stuff Thank you for the buying a coffee silencer. That's great. Um, Ryan, there you go. Thank you very much. All right, folks. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Do us, Make sure to check out today's uh, news video. It's, um, it's, a, it's kind of humorous in a way. And uh, it's going to be uh, leading into, I'm, I'm trying to work out a time to come on with uh, Tim Gordon later in the week on his channel. Some interesting news involving uh, Fernandez has happened and we're gonna, we may have discussion on that. So keep an eye on when that's going to happen. Got to work out the time. Partially because um, the day he wants to do it, I think I have to take my car into the shop. My I was going to mention this Sunday, but I forgot. The uh, We uh, were, my family, had my whole family in our van. We were at a light in town and somebody in a big Dodge Ram truck pulled up right behind us then accidentally. And he went from stopped to accidentally letting off his brake for a split second. And now my, uh, the, the rear gate on my van is uh, completely crumpled in and given the mileage it has on it, there's a good chance they're going to total it out, which is not fun. So I got to go take it into the shop uh, that the insurance company authorized here in a couple days. So prayers that that works out fine, please. Cause that would be appreciated. <sighs> All right, folks, thank you very much for tuning in today. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.